2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Have you ever just thought to yourself, why me? Why is life so unfair? What do other people see? When they watch me walk by, when I catch my reflection, people run like I have a contagious infection. But it's not my mental health. I know that can be crushing. I'm talking about plaque psoriasis. Bet you didn't see that coming. I'm sick of the judgment, the discomfort and itching. The Tama cream is the once daily steroid free treatment I know I've been missing. Vitama to Pineroff Cream 1% is a prescription topical treatment for adults with plaque psoriasis. Do not use if you're allergic to Vitama cream. The most common side effects of Vitama cream include red-raised bumps around the hair pores, pain or swelling in the nose and throat, skin rash or irritation, including itching and redness, peeling, burning or stinging, headache, itching and flu. Tell your doctor about all the medicines you take and if you're pregnant or plan to be. Ask your doctor if Vitama cream is right for you. You deserve more from your topical. To learn more, visit topicaluprising.com.
1: Celtic state of mind I'm Paul John Dykes And today I am delighted to be joined By Excel Mike Garley Welcome to AXOM How are you doing Mike?
3: I'm fine Paul, good to see you <laughs> About time, because we've talked a lot on the phone But it's really good to see you
1: You've got a, an illustrious career But you've also got an after career That, you know, there's been ups and downs We're sitting here in the tranquil environment of your back garden and it's lovely It's lovely to be here But, um we were speaking earlier about your, your late father. He introduced you to football and, and to Celtic as well, didn't he?
3: Yeah, he certainly did, I, and My dad was in the army for, for 22 years, but when he was stationed in Glasgow, we used to go to Leicester Hamden and watch the reserves play and the Celtic train all the time. And if we could get to a few games when he wasn't working, and we'd go to the games, so... Aye, you know, I think you hear quite a lot about all oh, these people that signed for clubs and I've supported them all my life and things like that. No, I was quite fortunate to be brought up that way and uh, very privileged to to get to where I got to and play for the best club in the world.
1: Absolutely. When I look at your career, uh, I try and find out if you are at a club, who might have been there and you were at Berwick Rangers at the same time as Frank Connor. Am I yeah. right? Now, Frank was a bit of a legendary figure, wasn't he? Yeah, it was great. Frank, uh,
3: I was playing under 18 levels. Well, I wasn't, It was like 16. And uh, I got asked to go along with Berwick and train. Well, I was asked to go along to on a YTS scheme when you used to get £25 a week or whatever. But it was great because I went to at Rangers. I was, I was there every day. I cleaned the boots I cleaned uh, the the toilets off the chairs from the birds and uh, I trained and, and and done things with the with the, the first team in the reserves and it was great aye, and Frank was there and uh then I met up with Frank once again it was it's quite surreal in a little way I'm falling fast a little bit here, but I was also a schoolboy at Leicester City mm-hmm. uh, when Jock Wallace was manager. Right. And uh, I used to go down there on school holidays. And they came to the time where I, if I was going to sign for Apprentice or not. And unfortunately, they said I wasn't good enough. I had to put beef on and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was the it was longest, train journey I had in my life. I thought my football career was over. Then I was alone at Leicester. Yeah, and then my football career was over. I had the car accident, mm-hmm. so it's quite surreal how it all turned round and went round and round in circles, you know. Definitely. And like with Frank, at Berwick then Frank at Celtic, it, it was crazy. Um, but that was the, the lesser thing. It was, it was quite uh, quite traumatizing in a way when I go back to when after the the accident and think about it, was that supposed to happen? But it did, and that's that was part of my life. My life whatever happened in my life that's the way it was going to be mm-hmm. I mean I believe that um, whatever happened in my life just now I believe that was meant to happen too mm-hmm. I mean I met Can. things are great all our lives revolves around animals horses dogs and that's what we do that's what we do outside all
1: the time we spoke um before Mike about how important your dogs were to you mm. and we'll get back to that because obviously during some dark times mm. you know they were they were a shining light for you as well yeah, Chase I got chased when I was getting first getting sober
3: and uh, he passed away oh, four years ago now and uh, he took me through some really bad times when I wanted to drink it's strange because you would look at me know there's something going on, it was like he would go out the door, he'd want to walk because he, he knew I had to get out, he mm-hmm. knew I had to do things mm-hmm. and it was me and him for years and years, he was, was my best pal. he's, in a way I could put it down, it sounds a bit corny but I, he could have saved my life in a wee way because mm-hmm. I was going through a bad time like you you know, and people know and it doesn't bother me about talking about it but yeah I do believe he was a big part of uh
1: my recovery through everything yeah it's incredible you know that early knock in your career where you've been going down to Leicester but they decide not to take you on um, could that have knocked you to a degree Mike where you just left game? you know because there's a lot of kids in the same scenario in their teenage years yeah um, you hear it all the time and
3: it's quite sad because at such a young age they they go to drugs or drink or gangs or whatever um, but I got back up the road and my dad's my dad he was a PTI in the army he was solid he was such a loving man but he was he was hard and I just got back up and he, he got me in the house and there were the days before my phones, phone so I couldn't phone him on the train or whatever I got back up and he just goes a big hug and says right what are you going to do and I says I don't know dad he says I know what you're going to do you're going to work harder aren't you and that was it he supported me through my life supported me through the early stages of my football took me everywhere Um, I wasn't the richest family in the world we were just a normal family like there's lots out there and uh, yeah we just we just worked hard and I just kept playing and playing Saturday morning Sunday morning Sunday afternoon Saturday afternoon everything I just kept playing and then eventually I played from Elfston Primrose in Edinburgh Mm -hmm. you probably know know that, um, and then I got to move down to uh, Mansfield, Mansfield uh. You spent four years down south. Believe it or not, it was, uh, the way my career went, it was a year and a half at Mansfield Town. Mm-hmm. I went to Halifax. I was a captain there for a year and a half. Hearts came in to buy me. I was at Hearts a year and a half, and then the shining light came and took me. <laughs> And Celtic signed me. Did you enjoy your time down south? That was my graft. That was my. That was my. When, when you played in the old fourth division, mm. you became a man. It was hard, and we're talking hard, hard. The referee didn't give. I was in this. You had to get stuck in, and that got me through. Got me through everything, and that's why I think Little Doddy signed me for Hearts. Well, I'm a Donald
1: that was a hard team the Hearts team Mike eh? that was a hard hard team was not it
3: yeah we were uh, we worked hard for each other right? <laughs> I mean we did so well in the league the time I was there Europe great time I mean I had a great, personally I had a great year in, in Europe too and I think that's what
1: really egged Billy McNeil on to, to buy me eye. Now I look at the Hearts side That you played with You had the the Kind of hard edge And that was probably Because the management team But you also had the talent You had the flair of You know The the flair players That Hearts brought in as well Mm -hmm. Um, European football What is it With Mike Galloway And European football Because that started at Hearts I mean you were Did you just Were you up One of these guys That you were up For the big games I don't know I think I
3: think I was I was up for any game, but so, yeah, I think they were probably a bit bigger. I just I I went out with the mentality I was like I'm not scared of nothing, mm-hmm. and that's just the way I played football. I'm not bothered about whatever happens. I'm going out there a hundred percent. If I can give a hundred percent, I can go and change them after the game and be happy with that. Um, but it was strange, aye. European European nights. When I scored six six in the one year, aye, and I went. So I scored a few, so
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> it was. Uh, very nice but then there again see when you play a European night at Celtic back you can't explain the atmosphere it's just it goes with the eye. but
1: uh, yeah European nights were good good, good for me you, you certainly enjoyed quite a few uh, at Hearts and Celtic yeah. Um and McNeil signs you Celtic legend uh, take us back to the time where you first found out Celtic were interested
3: crazy story Summer, all this season's finished. Me and my ex wife decide to, to go pick Lockeray up there, all over Scotland. So we hired a caravanette and away we went. Didn't give no my number. Nobody knew my number apart from my mum. So a phone call at the caravan park, it says, Go for Mike. And I went, Nobody knows I'm here. Apart from I and mean, there wouldn't be a apart from a emergency. You've to phone hats. I went, well, right, okay. And before that Tosh McKinley kept saying to me, is gonna buy, you know. And I just brushed off, thinking, Jesus Christ, no way man, Celtic would even go that way. So anyway, that I phoned hats, and said you've got to come in straight away. And there was at the time I think there was uh, the 18, under eighteen or under twenty-one European championships just were getting held at Tankassum. And I remember it. Yeah, yeah, it was a World Cup. World, World Cup, Cup was it, yeah. right? And uh, so I had to leave, pick luxury we were in at the time, get a hire car, drive straight back to house. wallet was was there, and he got me and he says, Celtics want to buy you. He says, What do you think? And I went, but I, I don't need to think. But he wanted to sell me anyway for money. Mm. And I went, where do we go from here then he went i have talked to Billy McNeil and blah 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 so within a few days I was back at Pitlorky and I was back across to Glasgow somewhere sneaky before you got into Glasgow with Billy McNeil to talk about it I left Evan. I still had a year and a half of my contract at so I still do sign on fees at Hearts, a lot and it was just like I'm off and that was it so a big that's signing that's I
1: found out big signing though half a million at the time it was a lot of money aye does that mean anything to a player though, Mike? You know, where you've got a big signing no, transfer see, fee. I, see, I don't
3: believe that. I mean, I, I know you get players these days that are going for trillions or billions of billions or whatever money. It's scary. And they say the they, signing on fees affect them and then the way they play and things like that. I don't even think I took that into account mm. when I signed for Celtic. I mean, I had a decent first season. Second season was very, very... I was in and out of the team. And then a few years after that, it wasn't bad. Different managers have played on there, but I can't say that. I can't blame that for affecting the way I played, I would say, the second year of Celtic. Mm. No, it's just a my form wasn't there. I think, for me, but I'm an old stager. I think, if you're going to get bought for that much money, what's the point of moaning about
1: it? Get on with it. Yeah, you signed with Paul Elliott and Darius Jackanowski that pre-season. I remember the pictures, yourself, Elliott, Jackanowski. I mean, that was a couple of talented, talented players for Celtic in the early, the late eighties, early nineties, Mike. Yeah,
3: fantastic. I mean, obviously, Jackie was a flair player, and Big Elliott was. To be honest, I mean, Big Paul came and he done what he said he was going to do. He was going to come, stay for a year and a half or whatever, and get his move. That's how it was. Yeah. I went to Celtic. Never think I'd leave Celtic that's the difference for a Celtic supporter mm-hmm. and somebody just going to a club and signing to get a few years out of it and move on which I, I don't, don't disagree with but uh, yeah Jackie was a, was a ladies boy wasn't he he was a playboy simple as that <laughs> him and Elliot were like that uh, but very 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 talented players but you're never going to go by
1: Palm for me never best player I've played with See if you look at uh, Paul McStay. I remember him as a as a kind of younger player coming through. By the time you come to the club, he's won the centenary uh, double with Celtic. He's the Player of the Year in Scotland. Yeah. Um, he could have played anywhere, Mike, couldn't he? Well, we know that definitely. By
3: actually, <laughs> Mike, he could have played for any team he wanted to play for. He could play for, but he was just he was such a religious loving. Incredible person, had an amazing family, children, all his parents, his sisters, his brothers. Incredible people, incredible people. But yeah, he could have played for anybody he wanted to, Mm -hmm. but he didn't want to. He wanted to stay with Celtic.
1: Absolutely. You played under four Celtic managers, as Mm. well as obviously Frank Conner when he took over for a couple of games. Um, Talk to us a wee bit about Billy McNeil and uh, his kind of style as well, Mike. Did that suit you?
3: Yeah I think so I think that's what obviously he signed me for is basically being there and, and getting stuck in and obviously Big Billy was like that um, taking no prisoners was his attitude and i done that quite often but uh, that, that was that was part <laughs> of my game he used to tell me going to go and sort somebody out I went to sort somebody out not in a bad way but I'd make sure they know I was there um, but when he when he signed me he just said to come along and play like he did for hearts that's all I'm asking. Yeah. He says, you'll fit in with the boys, a great bunch of boys, a great bunch of lads and that. And he says, oh, uh, you, you can ask for anybody, no matter where you sign them from, is gear 100%. If you get 100%, the supporters will be with you all the time. Mm-hmm. If you go out and you don't get 100%, they'll be on your back. And I know I go, through my career, I would say, I think Celtics always supported me, even when I went through my bad times and I never played that well and things like that. I always think supporters were fantastic with me. Yeah. Absolutely. Incredible. It's quite touching talking about it right now.
0: It's the Marketers Report.
3: This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global
0: Chief Marketing Officer, direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Just thinking everybody around that ground and it's great for everybody to get back now.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. One thing that you wouldn't broadcast, but I'm going to tell the story, is that I was in the Celtic end with my dad one day and I can't remember if you were suspended or injured but you were in a rich veiny form it might have been under Liam Brady actually because you had a cracking period under Brady and um, you paid to get into the Celtic end and you were standing up the back with your mate because my dad pointed you out and I got you to sign my programme so even though you were playing for Celtic and you were a first pick at this point you paid to actually go to the game when you weren't able to play I'm no different than anybody else I'm just
3: me I'm just as my mum calls me, I'm Michael. Um, I only got Mike when I signed for selfie. But I think uh, it's like when I go back to games now, or that I haven't been for, for a long time, I'd love to get back up soon. Um, I pay my way. I'll go and stand with the supporters and all that. I'm not going to the private boxes, so don't get the atmosphere. You know? Um, I'll go and see the tea ladies, I'll go and see the, the kit women. The, the the last time I was there there were still a few working it was great to see them uh, but I don't need I don't need to go into an amazing place to be surrounded by beautiful people when for me the supporters of Celtic that's what matters mm-hmm. that's the only reason Celtic are going like every other club because of the supporters and I'd rather go in amongst them and sit and get coffee poured in your teacup, or coffee in your coffee cup or whatever
1: but that's just the way I was I aye? aye definitely i seen it I've seen mm. it um, you're talking about the Celtic fans um, there's a, a special bond between the players and the fans and none more so during a European night once again mate, you come to Celtic you're scoring goals against the likes of uh, Partizan Belgrade and uh, you're playing in some cracking games as well I mean the 3 nothing game against Cologne where we pulled it back from 2 nothing down right. um, right. you know we had a good a good couple of fixtures yeah, um, yeah. what's your memories of these games and in particular that 5-4 game against Partizan oh, Belgrade I hadn't got a clue where we were I hadn't
3: got a clue where we were what the score was what's happening um, all I can remember was giving away the goal the beaters but they didn't really didn't know what the f- excuse me what was going on, um, but it was uh, because we were favourites to go through because we got the way goal mm-hmm. and things where Jackie gets four. I mean how can he beat, really how can he get beat when you went four nothing at home, well four nothing five four, it's. It was quite sickening in the change rooms afterwards and all that but I mate, mean, must be some game for the yeah. neutral
1: oh definitely it's incredible it's one that I still look at I mean see after a game like that who within the Celtic dressing room mate, were the, the kind of leaders who influenced other players I
3: agree obviously um, Paul Mustay in his nice quiet way never heard Paul Mustay raise his voice um, Peter Grant we Peter was always mouthy he probably still mm-hmm. is Packy um, Bonner like the more obviously seasoned pro um, but uh, I, I mean at the end of the day see the thing is about football you've got a game on a Wednesday or a Tuesday night whatever it was you're playing on a Saturday mm-hmm. you got to put that to bed if you don't put it to bed you're not going to go into the game on Saturday feeling right are you? so there's ways of doing it and ways of not doing it if you like, settle down you, put your, you, you spit your dummy out and
1: you just got back on it mm-hmm. you know when you think back to your, your Celtic days I've spoke to a lot of your, your teammates under the Billy McNeil era mm-hmm. um, and he put a big onus on the fact that you would be integrating and engaging with Celtic fans by going to supporters clubs and getting involved and yeah. in all that side yeah. of things did you enjoy that side of it in, yeah did I engaging with too Celtic much. fans
3: <laughs> too much you just get you just get in trouble and, and again um, occasionally, you so there's a lot of players went to Celtic dances and stayed for a couple of hours, but I would tend to go and stay for a couple of days, which wasn't the right thing to do. But it was just good, it was fun, it was great being around people. And I think I was probably quite easily led in a wee way, eh? so no, it was really, really good just travelling around and seeing all different support for like Aberdeen, for the Orkneys and things like that. You know, you never think there's supporters over there, but they are all the way down England, different places. I've done a lot, and uh, uh, even if I didn't stay for a few days, I'd stay all night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you came to Celtic, we'd had a level of success during the centenary season. We'd won the Scottish Cup in '89. We then went into a period of no success. Now, for a Celtic fan playing for the club, the worst time possible to actually come to Celtic, Um, I mean, there was a few managerial changes. Yeah? Were you aware, as a player all the issues that were happening behind the scenes
3: <laughs> I think that's another thing that people talk about About can that affect you on the park I don't think it can affect you in the park maybe it's just the way I was brought up in different kind of ways you still to go out there and do your job you still do the same day's training mm-hmm. you still do the same preparations and you still keep doing the same things on a Saturday going to the games by a bus and blah 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 so nothing changed for our side of it on the park mm-hmm. or in the training ground so I think there's there's a few maybe a few that use that as excuses where you heard about it. Don't get me wrong, you, yeah. you knew things were going on, and uh, no, no, I, uh, I don't think that's... I
1: mean, I don't. I know it never affected me, but I don't think it should affect players and different mm. things like that. I never got to the point where Celtic were struggling to pay wages and things like that Mike did it I mean I know they were in financial peril nearer yeah. the end mm-hmm. but you were able to get on with your, your football yeah definitely
3: mm-hmm. I don't think we went through anything that, there was no wages paid or nothing like that there was nothing at all like that And at the end of the day you, you, you get, especially at the times where they were you get paid for doing something that a lot of people don't get to do you get paid for doing something you enjoy, and some fortunate ones get paid to play for the club they support all their life. Mm-hmm. So really, it shouldn't affect you. I,
1: I honestly believe it didn't affect me. Yet. Now, you, you mentioned earlier about Billy McNeil sometimes would say to you, "Right, this is your job. Sort this one out or that one out, Mike." You're a Celtic fan. You love playing against Rangers, don't you? Aye. I'm <sighs>
3: you know the only the only thing i only regret I never scored against Rangers for Celtic I scored a few for Hearts against Rangers I scored against Celtic for Hearts, but I never scored against them but I loved it it was one of them that you had to keep your temper and keep mm-hmm. you cool and all that you, you did but the game Roy Aiken first first off from Derby Roy Aiken says to me he says go out enjoy it he says before you know it, you're back in and he was right mm-hmm. I was out half time full time you were back in finished it just went so quickly the game was 300 mile an hour the adrenaline just gets you through everything unfortunately obviously I lost more at the time than winning some um, because of the situation we were in mm-hmm. it wasn't good enough at the time Rangers were buying players that caught up with them years down the line Well, all the money spent yeah. you know Yep. but uh, there was only one person for me that stood in our way of beating Rangers it was Andy Gorham he always seemed to be outstanding mm-hmm. against Celtic mm-hmm. but say it again you need score goals to win games
1: yeah. and defend So, you know when you're in the melting pot and you're at Celtic Park and a game like that against Rangers how are you able to Cancel out the mayhem that surrounds that game and focus on the actual it's football. It
3: it's like every game. You'll hear it when you go out, and you'll hear all the chants, "Shitey, shitey," and all that. Great, I loved it. I was there. Uh, I think we played a one game. We were banned. Sports were That's banned. Right, yeah. And there's forty-five thousand there, and they were all singing "Shitey, shitey," and it was great. Absolutely fantastic. But in a normal game, when you go out there, you hear it from, like, when you warm it up, sings like Chance and all that, for the Celtic supports, whoever, Rangers, Hearts, or whatever. The scenes when you go out the tunnel at the end of the start of the game, as if, like, you can't hear a thing. Mm-hmm. That's how it, you've is. You've probably been told that many times. Yeah. You can't hear a thing. You can't,
1: but you just totally blank off. By. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Celtic did try. I mean, there was that audacious move to bring in Liam Brady. You had some incredible experience in Italy and in England. Big money was spent, mate. Do you reckon you got your best performances during that period under Liam Brady, and, and why do you think that was? I mean, you, you ended up being called up for Scotland.
3: I think he, he let me do more uh, and he moved me back into the back four. Mm-hmm. Um, where he, he always said, because I'm going score, most of my goals are scored from outside the box. Um, so it was like I had that bit of freeway moving on Like playing a back four But I could still move out of it mm-hmm. And that's where I scored my goals I think it just give me a bit of With changes down the line And different kind of things going on I think he just give me a weird lease of life And he was He was one of the boys in a wee way Because he was He liked to laugh He liked to carry on He liked the paint at the right time We used to go to Dublin on tours and Yeah and things and whatever. So yeah, I got on really well with him and McMahon. Yeah, um, I, I, and he, te- he seemed to be really good with me. I don't know why.
1: Mm. Maybe seeing something. There was a, there was definitely a period, Mike Yeah, where, it was great. you know, yeah, you ninety-two, hit great, form, yeah. great form, great yeah. form. Um, why do you think, or could he have done anything different to bring success at that period, or were we just so far from what Rangers were doing and the players they were buying? No, there was nothing that Liam could do.
3: I honestly thought he would come and He didn't need much at the time. But you do. You, you need to sign fresh faces. Mm-hmm. Whether the background or the the, the members of the, the board were, they, they couldn't afford it, they couldn't afford the money to get somebody in or whatever, I don't know. See, we try to blank that out. That's nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's on the park. Um, whether he had the funds to get to get people in or not I don't know I think he maybe made a couple of dodgy signings that never worked out but all managers do that you know yeah. so whether whether he had the funds and he didn't spend it
1: or he never had the funds I don't know there was a a short period of time a relatively short period of time where Liam Brady leaves the club we bring in Lou McCary it doesn't work out but in between times you're managed by your old Berwick Rangers pal, Frank Connor. How does the club, how does the kind of senior pros, because by that time, Mike, you're a senior pro and yeah. amongst Tom Boyd and players like that. How do you pull together when you don't have a manager and Frank Connor's taking the team? We played sport in Lisbon.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think you give just 100%. Mm-hmm. You just, like, Frank was a very, very well-liked person. He's a lovable guy, but he's a you know, just right and... And he treated me like he treated me when I was a barrack. So that was good. Mm-hmm. I wasn't anybody else. He knew who I was a Um I think yeah. his whole camaraderie, camaraderie ship, whatever, got together and the players. We just got around him because he can give that out. He's got the vibes. He's got, you know, when you when he used to help out in training sessions and do things and all that, you would like Frank to be there. So I think that helped a lot.
1: Yeah. The, Neely Mockin was part of the backroom team okay. um, what's your memories of Mo- uh, Neely Moken?
3: not many I've seen a few games and all that but as in person wise beautiful lovely straight for the hip tells the truth you had a bad game you had a bad game you had a good game you had an alright game you wasn't good you were alright uh, just a kit man what a kit man does just bit of crack bit of banter and it was a sad day when he passed on
1: um, yeah but aye, Mucky was a good guy a good lad What was the story with Lou McCarrie a lot of players didn't seem to take to his methods Mike did did he suit you?
3: No No I just uh, I signed a contract for him um, but then we, we, I went to a, I went to a fashion shoot or, or whatever with Jackie Jacanovski and I can't remember what it was. Anyway, to take some photos with a leather jackets so, on I mean, and we went for a few drinks after it and anyway McCare found out and he kicked me out of the team. Um was Jackie then? Was he still there? Jackie somebody else. Jackie
1: there? left under Liam Brady.
3: Right then, so wasn't Jackie. No, some one of the other players that went went out for a few drinks after the after it was party. It's probably Macavene, Mike. No, it wasn't was actually. No, not? no, he goes to <laughs> the high places him. Very, went away, and uh, next day he got me in, and he says, "What are you playing? I go for a drink. I says, "What it was, a, it was a Wednesday night or something like that? You don't, you're alright." Ah, you just signed a fucking contract. I wish I never got your contract, ever, not alright. So it was a Wednesday. I, I, on the Friday, he got me. He gave me the hardest training session I've ever had. He sent me down to Dundee United on a Friday night to play the reserves, mm-hmm. and then I played in the first team on a Saturday too. I can't remember who it was. But that's the way that's the way he got around me on the way, way I mm. But I don't think it, his mess helped a lot of players. Was, I don't think they were happy with him, to be honest. Enough. No. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody's different. You just have to get on with what's round about you and
1: who's in charge of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't take long before Fergus McCann comes in like a whirlwind. Uh when McCarry leaves the club and in comes Tommy Burns Now you had played against Tommy as an opponent when you were at Hearts. He then became your manager. Mm-hmm. So fondly remembered, Mike, from Celtic fans. What was it like to play under Tommy Burns? It was great, but I played with Tommy too. Mm-hmm. I played yeah. for him
3: when I signed for Celtic. I uh, played with him. Incredible person, incredible, incredible. I mean, was it difficult
1: and... when when you eventually were managed by one of your ex-teammates? Sorry? Was it difficult if your no, teammate became your so. manager?
3: I don't think so, because he'd finished playing, hadn't he? And... Uh, or did he go somewhere else to play for a he bit he went to Kelly for a wee while yeah no his on. manager there wasn't he Kelly. aye yeah. like no it wasn't no it was great Tommy was amazing I've got I've got so much time for Tommy to be honest because when I had my car accident Tommy and Billy Stark and somebody else were the first persons down at the hospital in Leicester beside my bed mm-hmm. uh, and there was a story that Tommy touched, I'm still in a coma. Tommy touched my leg, he says, come on, she's like, you should be all right. And apparently I moved my leg. Um, but he was amazing, amazing, amazing. I mean, I spoke to him in great deal about moving from Celtic to Leicester because mm-hmm. I was having problems at home and different things, I was going through a divorce. And I felt a break would be good for me. Tommy was 100% behind me He mm-hmm. says, right, We'll see what comes along. When had a couple of days less, so and Matt McGee got in touch and I went down there alone. Um but no oh, if I was great player, great person, amazing religious man, lovely family. It's acting exactly like Paul McStain, a different a different person. Yeah. But to be down at the hospital fast straight away when I had the car accident, mm. that speaks what Tommy Buns is. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, the accident, Mike, because, I mean, there's a moment in your life where nothing's the same again after that. You'd been offered a contract, or there was a contract in the office, wasn't there, from Leicester, you know what I mean, you were planning to go back I was to sign a contract, eh? Yeah. Mm. And you're coming up the road, is that right? No, I think I was... Uh, there's
3: a lot I don't remember, and I still don't remember a lot. <laughs> um I think I was just out, I was driving about, and it was in the local area, Dunstan batter round less. it's like one of the country places. And apparently, I've turned to go right, and whether I've seen somebody coming or not, I don't know. And whether he's went, he said he was doing six miles an hour or something, and hit the side on. Uh, and that was that, aye. And you were in a coma? how many weeks I was in and out of coma for like I think what they said was I was in a coma for three weeks but then they kept me in Yep. induced as it mm-hmm. for another three weeks mm-hmm. like, things in my body was healing and things like that Um then it was like quite a long time in hospital now. yeah and
1: then and you really got, got the physiotherapy after that as well Mike haven't you sorry you got the physio as well after after that yeah you got
3: learning how to walk again uh, and going to sick kids' hospitals and seeing people walk and how they walk, and <laughs> it was—it was, was like well, it was starting again from an infant, what know what to do, and
1: um, I, probably one of the hardest times of my life, to be honest. With you. when the news is broken to you, because obviously, as you say, there's a lot of things you don't remember. You're then in a coma. You come back from that, and you're told that. Your injuries are so bad that you'll never play football again. I mean, how on earth do you deal with that, Mike?
3: I think what kept me going was because every injury I had in football, I got through.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So I just thought oh, I'll be all right. And then when you get told you'll never play football again, because it'd be years to get back to normal. Anyway, um, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't think it's sunk I really don't think it's sunk until after I got sober. there mm-hmm. was a blare. It must have hurt me. Yeah. It must have hurt me. And I must have knew what he said, but... I never dwelt on it, I drank. Mm. I drank, you know, I'm just... drinking mm. my life, I'm killing myself again, and I've just been through a car accident, and I'm killing myself again. But it was uh, it was difficult. It was difficult to get over, but uh, I think coming off drink was harder.
1: Right. Mhm.
3: eventually we got there.
1: Yeah, got there. And I want to, I want to focus on that mm. because that that's an incredible recovery. Um, see, when I talk to players who have maybe been part of an era where the drinking may have been part of the culture, mate, but it's all. Um, during a time where you're a professional athlete and you get away with it to a degree mm-hmm. when the football's removed from that but the, the drink remains does it become a really dark experience for someone like yourself?
3: To the last stage of drinking yeah, it was just I was, I was crying out for help that I didn't want I wasn't going to give in
1: mm-hmm.
3: I wanted to get through myself but I wasn't big enough and I wasn't strong enough because there's only thing that was there's only one thing that beat me and that was alcohol. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't stop, stop. Because I was just that again. Mm-hmm. If I had to stop, I had to stop, stop. And that's when I went down to the, the clinic with Tony Allen's and uh, Sporting Chance which was a a massive saving in my life aye a massive part of my life and I got through the 28 days and
1: difficult but it was uh, put me in the right way aye it's an incredible thing that Tony Adams has done there isn't it Mm. because he realises that not just footballers but there's a lot of people in your position who after the floodlights are faded if you like it's a difficult world to live in add to that your injuries but you've gone down there and you, you credit that as being a massive part the reason for your recovery yeah definitely
3: 100% if I hadn't done that and I hadn't stuck the 28 days out um, I don't think I'd be in the position I am right now so yeah it was a big big hell I mean he went through hell when he was a a player Um, but no it was it was it was definitely a step in the right direction to put me where I am today so yeah a lot, of lot of credit goes to the sports chats definitely.
1: Now, just coming down here, we've spoken off and on for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Finally meet today. It looks like in this, this area in these surroundings that you're in a, a happy place. Um, it's great to see, Mike. It's a great recovery. Let's finish on a positive. When Celtic fans gathered to to pay benefit to you at Celtic Park, um, I remember Robbie Coltrane being in the crowd. Kenny oh. Dalglish was playing for Celtic. Amazing memory for you. Yeah, it was.
3: I mean, all the people. It was uh, after the game. I mean, I got presented with a, a prize for Kennedy Wish and he's like still in awe of somebody like Kennedy Wish. Probably could remember. I'm sure Sean Connery was there. Uh, there's a few of the the the, the Glasgow there film stars everybody knows and all that they were all there and it was great for everybody to turn out for me and it was really good what Celtic done all the, all the people that got me going Mike PLO was part of it and uh, Raymond Sharp was it Raymond Sharp wasn't it? The agent? Yeah Raymond Sparks was Sparks, it? Sparks yeah, yeah. Raymond Sparks like. and a few other lads that they helped out to get that sorted out which I'm forever forever grateful of it in a wee way it put me on the right road <laughs> To drink, but uh, that's uh, no excuse for what they've done for me. At, at, at that stage, was amazing, absolutely amazing. If uh, I don't know, it was a 30 or whatever was there, or I don't know, I don't know how many was there. But if there was two there, I'd be over the moon. Yeah. It was great, it was, it was fantastic, and uh, forever grateful for the incredible shelter support, the shelter family, the people around. And I'm talking for the kit woman, to the the tea lady, to
1: everybody in Celtic. Well, Mike, it's been a long time coming, but um, I've got to say it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
3: No problem, thanks very much for coming down and great to see you. Brilliant.